it's not a conflict. It's not complicated even. It's obvious as the sun. It's there, you know. It's not new, you know, like what's happening now in Gaza. It's not new. We have been living, like I was living that a course of my life, all of my life. My dad, my dad was born in 1935 and he he's still witnessing these things. I haven't been in this struggle as long, so I have more capacity to listen. So as soon as someone around me says, I'm tired, you know, like Hussein said, like, we have so many people that this has just been revolved around their lives and they tell me I'm tired. I've been saying the same things over. I can tell them, no worries, I can take over for you because I have to right now, you know, and this is the expectation I hope in the future that someone will do for me when maybe I've carried the torch long enough. Feeling a lot of rage and trying to transform that and transmute it and use it in an effective way uh, with consciousness. But yeah, a lot of rage, a lot of grief, deep sadness. Hopelessness, disgust, disappointment, a long list of very, very heavy and difficult emotions. And with all of them, trying to find what use can I make of them? Because I believe emotion is energy in motion, it's information. So if I'm feeling rage or I'm feeling anger, let's say that's because a boundary has been crossed because there's injustice. If I'm feeling sadness or grief, that is the pain of letting go of loss and mourning takes its time. And yet also it's like, I don't feel full space to mourn yet because we're still in a process of loss. And so many innocent lives are being taken away minute to minute, moment to moment in Gaza right now. We cannot be talking about peace when there's no justice. We cannot be talking about coexistence when we don't even get treated as same value of human life. Hey, it's Yulia, and this is Going Places. Today, a conversation with three Amani creators on Gaza, their art, and what brings them hope right now. I'm excited to introduce you to Sarah Shabar, journalist and editor at Jordan News Daily, English-language media organization based in Amman, Hussein Alazad, renowned artist, calligrapher, thinker, and founder of El Harp Studio, a platform for arts and culture in Amman, and Rawan Roshni, a Palestinian Balkan singer whose song, Abad al-Shams, is featured on our podcast this season. This moment is an opportunity to practice what we've been talking about in theory, to look at headlines critically and to look for context in reporting. If you're listening to this episode when it first comes out on Wednesday, January 31st, you might have heard of the news from Jordan in the past weekend. The strike on a U.S. base on the Jordanian-Iraqi-Syrian border did not happen in isolation. According to numerous reports, including the New York Times, Washington Post, and Al Jazeera, the drone attack was carried out by militant groups operating in Iraq and Syria as retaliation for U.S. support for the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. In the coming days and weeks, there will be more headlines, analysis, and reports on Jordan and the wider region. I invite you to think about context more than ever now, and perhaps ponder this. Instead of asking if it's safe to go somewhere now, should we be asking ourselves instead what we can do as citizens of this country to help the world be a safer place for everyone? The conversation you're about to hear today was recorded last October, two weeks after the current escalation of violence in Gaza and the West Bank has begun. Together, we process the emotions of collective pain, sorrow, and anger, what these artists feel about the Western perspectives on Israel-Palestine, what's changing in this situation that generations of people in the Middle East have grown up with, and what is the role of artists in this moment. 
We also discuss what the creative community in Amman looks like and even get a mini guide to the creative side of the city by Hussein Al-Azad. I want to say thank you to Sarah, Hussein, and Rawan for coming on at such a raw and difficult moment to share their thoughts and experiences with us. And I hope you listen to what they have to say, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to stay updated on all things Going Places, be sure to visit goingplacesmedia.com to sign up for our newsletter. This episode and the entire season of the show is brought to you by Visit Jordan. Be sure to visit myjordanjourney.com to learn more about Jordan. That's myjordanjourney.com. All right, now on to this episode. Welcome, my dear friends, to the show. I am so grateful that you were able to come today and share this space together and and have this conversation together in this time that is so difficult and so painful for so many. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Before we get started, I just want to have a quick introduction to all of you guys and for our listeners I was very fortunate to gather my friends for this conversation today. As many of you know, when I come to Jordan, the country that I love, there's a lot of people there that have become my friends over the years. So today you you will get to meet some of these friends. And I'm really excited to have with us Sarah Shabar, a journalist that I met in Jordan some time ago. And we've became really great friends who is now working for Jordan News Daily, a English language media organization based in Amman. How are you doing, Sarah? Well, we're doing as best as I can, I would say right now. Yes, yes. And you've been working really hard covering the conflict. And I know it's taking a huge toll on you. So I really appreciate you you being here today. Thank you. We have such a beautiful team. So I just want to point that out. Like if our team listens to this right now, they're covering the hour that I get to be here. So I feel so privileged that honestly, like sometimes there's a lot of misconceptions about maybe working teams in Jordan, but I feel like I have the best team that is just has become so much closer in all of this and actually has wanted to become better human beings rather than just becoming better journalists or trying to beat some sort of media. So I just wanted to add that because I know that they might be listening after. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I've been following all the work that you you were doing even before, right? Even before right now on the platform and with this organization. And it's, it's really wonderful. We'll be sure to link to the Instagram accounts of Jordan News Daily and all the work that you're doing because it's important that people get to hear from people directly, right? That's what I always advocate for. Don't listen to me, listen to the people who I'm talking with because that's how we really understand what's happening anywhere in the world is by learning from and listening to people who live and work there. They're our best resource for understanding what's happening. So again, thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. And then we have my dear friend Hussein Al-Azad, a renowned artist, calligrapher, thinker, a guardian of culture is how we've called him in the past. Thank you. A really wonderful person who everybody should come and visit when you're in Amman. He has a beautiful studio called El Harf. And again, we're going to link to El Harf and all the work that El Harf is doing. A multifaceted organization that provides workshops that is curating an incredible archive of Arabic books, comics, art, like probably one of the most beautiful archives I've ever seen. And a lot of them are in Hussein's studio. And we're very fortunate to have Hussein with us today. Thank you, Julia. I'm very glad to be 
with you and Sarah and Rowan and in this podcast. I'm really happy to see you, of course, and to have this ongoing collaborations and friendship before everything. And I hope uh, today we will have uh, a nice episode in your uh, podcast and everyone who listened to us, they enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, Hussein. And then we also have with us today Rawan Roshni, a Palestinian Balkan musician based in Jordan, who I've recently had the pleasure of getting to know because Rawan's music, you guys, is the one that's featured in our podcast this season. If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll notice that we have a very beautiful introduction to the podcast this season, and we use it in the introduction and in the end and sometimes in the middle as well. And it's the beginning notes to a very beautiful composition called Abar al-Shams. And we're going to link to the full song as well and to all of Rowan's links as well. But very fortunate to have Rowan on the podcast today. And I can't wait to meet you in person as well. So thank you for coming, Rowan. Thank you for the invitation, Yulia, and thank you for spreading my sound and also really looking forward to meeting you as well. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, what we're going to start with right now is I just want to ask you, how are you guys feeling in this moment? It's a moment of a lot of pain and sometimes it might not feel this way when you're there in Jordan right now, but a lot of people from everywhere in the world are feeling your pain and feeling that pain as well and are with you is what I would like to say. I've received countless messages from people from all all over the world in the last couple of days and weeks and a lot of people are feeling that too. So what I wanted to say is that you guys are not alone but I wanted to check in and ask you how are you feeling in this moment? Should I start? I answer? Yeah. You have mentioned I think in your introduction that we are recording this episode during a conflict happening in the region. And I think I'm, I'm a little bit sensitive towards and uh, yeah. yeah, definitely it's not a conflict. Yes. And you know, as soon as I said that, I actually, why did I use that word? That was not a right word. To use. Yeah, it's fine because many people are using it and maybe that's the time to reintroduce, you know, the correct terms. And uh, it's not a conflict. It's not complicated even. It's obvious as the sun. It's there, you know, it's not a new, you know, like what's happening now in Gaza, it's not a new. We have been living, like I was living that across of my life, all of my life. My dad, my dad was born in 1935 and he, he's still witnessing these things. He was born here in Jordan, but it's part of our daily news and daily pain and collective sorrow and the other feelings of anger, feeling uh, that things are not going correct. And when, once we hear the news, and once we hear the, I'm sorry to say that, the Western perspective on that, yeah. it's really making us also like boil more. And now the issue, how to express ourselves, how to express this anger. And Arabs have been trying to express that in the last 70 or 80 years, I don't know. And I think we've tried all the possible ways. Still, the issue is still there. And I don't want to, to take more time talking about that. But in the beginning, like two weeks ago, I was totally lost. I was totally feeling so painful. And I expressed myself in a few sketches on my Instagram. But I think maybe today something ha- changed. I, I think there is a hope, you know. And I think using also social media and listening, the new voices coming from the West that, guys, we are sorry. We, we have been l- taking the wrong perspective and the wrong idea about your situation. And we are sorry. Now we have the true image and the true vision. And we felt that there is something changing in the West and also here locally, like the level of awareness 
at young people's minds and voices and how everyone is also expressing themselves. It's very important, like even for artists, writers, musicians. I think there is a new wave coming. I feel positive today. It's only today happened. I don't know why, but I feel there is a hope. There is a good thing coming up. And I hope really this silly situation stop and for forever. Like, yeah, it should be stopped. It should be fixed. Yeah. And there is a hope, I think, in the future. Thank you. Thank you for that, Hussein. And, you know, I've been part of this conversation only for a limited time. Of course, I cannot compare with years and decades and your family being part of that. And even in the several years that I've been part of this conversation, I also see more and more people becoming aware and more and more people adding that their voices to the conversation in the West, right? Which I think is important, actually, because until the West collectively shifts, because it's all coming from the West anyway, the yeah. situation, right? It's a Western problem. <laughs> exactly. And so I see that those small roots of hope poking through the ground, right? Yes. If you will, as well. And that's so good to see that. So I, yeah, I agree with you too. I see that online. I see that on social media, which is such a powerful tool, right? To be able to use that. And everyone who is able to use that in whatever shape or form is adding to that collective change and to that collective hope as well. So that's really important. Rowan, Sarah, anything that you want to add to that? I think when, when everything happened, you know, it was, I traveled to China on October 8th. On October 7th, I basically woke up to the news alongside everyone else. I've become a little bit numb every time something happens. You know, Jordan News, we weekly, we talk about Al-Uts being flooded with settlers who are trying to hurt other, hurt Palestinians. So it's become part of our daily. It's like we wake up, we chat, we talk to our editor-in-chief, he tells us what to write. We talk about Netanyahu and the Knesset members and the right-wing, you know, like the right-wing Israeli government. I mean, it's something that is not new for us. When it first happened, I was sitting here and working, and I wasn't taking it very seriously, to be honest with you, because I said, it's just another day that I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to put it, and I'm going to, it's just another day. And as the situation had progress and I realized it and when I got a call from my editor-in-chief and he said is this your first time covering a war and I said yes I'm 30 years old I was like I haven't lived this experience I said oh this is actually it was so unexpected and I didn't know what to do the whole time when I was in China I felt very disassociated because I was working with Jordan News while going to all these like meetings and trying to be present for this like work trip that I had been invited to because we were supposed to be talking about the you know China Arab cooperation and how China and Jordan have very good relations and I was there to look at all these things from art to politics to culture and I was just very disconnected and so it was, I think it was very difficult at first, but then it also too brought a lot of good, really good conversations with people that I could have, you know, on the outside looking in. And I think, you know, similar to saying I started feeling maybe the hope a little bit yesterday. I don't know what kind of happened, but my husband is Palestinian and I started, you know, joking with him a little bit, not about obviously the what's going on, but we were just joking with one another. We were joking about olive oil. So it's like the small things that we have that are really embedded. I just realized this is not going to go away. You know, that the culture, there's no erasing of culture that's going to happen. As someone who was born and raised in the U.S., I'm also new to this topic as well. I was in California where I was telling my husband, you know, I was in fourth grade when they took us to the Holocaust Museum. I didn't know that Palestine existed 
until I had come to Jordan when I was 12 years old. And a girl told me, they are killing, Americans are killing Palestinians. And I went to my parents and I told them, who are Palestinians? Can you imagine? I'm Jordanian. But because my parents, you know, they're from Irbid, they're Jordanian, you know, they're tribal, they're Asha'ir. Palestine was always a very touchy subject for them. And they were still in this like mode where they didn't want to talk about it. So actually, it was the new generation of kids, you know, when they started having kids, and they realized that they're going to school, and there's like, more of an exceeding majority of Palestinians, it became very hard for us to ignore the reality that we were living in. So I guess part of it also makes me feel like there's this part of this inner child in me that feels happy that I'm healing this part of myself, because I felt like, you know, when I talked to my husband, I mean, as soon as, you know, he tells me, because his family's been in Uts, he goes, we're taught about Palestine as soon as we can talk, mama, baba, Palestine. So it's like, he has so many years over me, and I get to heal this part of me that really didn't know, or was a mouthpiece for kind of this misunderstanding that I had. So I'm taking this responsibility as serious as I can. I'm trying to listen to everyone. I think that's kind of one of the beauty of someone that is kind of on the outside coming in that I haven't been in this struggle as long. So I have more capacity to listen. So as soon as someone around me says, I'm tired, you know, like Hussein said, like, we have so many people that this has just been revolved around their lives. And they tell me I'm tired, I've been saying the same things over, I can tell them no worries, I can take over for you because I have to right now, you know, and this is the expectation I hope in the future that someone will do for me when maybe I've carried the torch long enough. So really, I feel to be honest, I feel very blessed to be in Jordan at this time to see this shift and to see everything and to also as well get to remind my friends in the US, you know, you were marching in 2020 for the Black Lives Matter movement. And you were begging people not to be silent. Like you cannot be silent now. You can't go to everything and say land acknowledgements and we want our land back. And when actually land is being taken back, say, well, it's a little too violent for us. Like what, you know, this is, what did you expect was going to happen? So part of it is really nice that I get to also be on this end and like share my experiences with other people as well. One of the things that I really understood deeply in the past few years is how all these struggles are connected, how they're so connected. It's the same thing happening all over the world, actually, you know, from Black Lives Matter to indigenous movements around the world to Palestine, it's all connected. And to your point, Sarah, if you're supporting one, you cannot support one movement and one call for liberation and not do it over here, but not over here, right? You just, I don't know, you start seeing all these like on a big scale level, on a global level, you start seeing how all of this connected. And then you, there is no other option, actually, then to just you you have to support. There's no other way, you know. Rowan, what are your thoughts on this? So I'm not sure whether to start with feelings or thoughts. Your original question was, how are we feeling? So I can start there, because if I offload a bit of my feelings, then I can be a bit more eloquent. But yeah, in these last 12 days, I suppose, a little bit more, rage feeling a lot of rage and uh, trying to transform that and transmute it and use it in an effective way with consciousness. But yeah, a lot of rage, a lot of grief, deep sadness, 
hopelessness, disgust, disappointment, a long list of very, very heavy and difficult emotions. And with all of them, trying to find what use can I make of them? Because I believe emotion is energy in motion, it's information. So if I'm feeling rage or I'm feeling anger, let's say that's because a boundary has been crossed because there's injustice. If I'm feeling sadness or grief, that is the pain of letting go of loss. And mourning takes its time. And yet also it's like, I don't feel full space to mourn yet because we're still in a process of loss. And so many innocent lives are being taken away minute to minute, moment to moment in Gaza right now. And so also like definitely sensations of overwhelm, of confusion, trying to like keep up and not miss anything, trying to reshare everything and spread the information and also facing resistance and criticism from different people who see me as like, you know, a peaceful musician. But also that's not everything that I am. I'm also a facilitator. I'm not very public about that, but I work with different NGOs and in multinational groups with teenagers, with elders, with children. I've done things over the years all over the world. And I understand that like, Conversations are really important. Circles are really important. And also one thing necessitates to be before another. We cannot be talking about peace when there's no justice. We cannot be talking about coexistence when we don't even get treated as same value of human life. So there's huge discrepancies and sift between like my heart and what I feel in like my motherhood energy towards all of these children of wanting to just take everyone in to my heart and protect them and feeling really helpless with that. And then into like more of my brain and my analytical and my masculine energy and trying to understand what's happening and trying to figure out a strategy. Like, what is it? What do I need to do? And where do I do it from? And so there's a lot happening all the time. And it's hard to focus. It's hard to function in a normal way. And I don't think that that's what needs to happen anyways. Like all of my work has been canceled in places where I'm a leader. I've chosen to cancel or delay things to honor what's happening right now, to be fully present with what's happening right now. And what I can say is that like I'm ancestrally Palestinian. I'm Palestinian diaspora. So I'm part of the community that hasn't been born there, that's been expelled from the time of my grandparents. I was born in Kuwait and then in 1990 we experienced the war with Iraq so we fled to Jordan and then I also had 10 years in which I lived in Canada. So I'm definitely a, a global citizen in that sense. I'm of that 0.01 most privileged Palestinians in the world maybe because I have an international western passport and education and I feel a lot of responsibility with that. I feel that with that privilege, I need to leverage it into influence, into leadership, into offerings back to my home community and my homeland. So I've been trying to figure that out for many years and I visit often. And so there are people there. There's extended family, but there's also soul family and friends that I'm checking in on every day, with, mostly in the West Bank, less so in, in Gaza. But there's also a lot happening in the West Bank. And it's not like the, the most popular thing on the news, but there's a lot happening. So trying to just be in the know of everything and, and realizing also that it's like very distorted and like civilian journalism is the way that one is trying to capture everything that's happening but it's going so fast and the breadth of it is so huge and also yeah alhamdulillah that the world's paying attention it's about time it's about time and i hope that that translates into something you know because we have these bursts of panic and many people become conscious of it and then i can see even now as the days are going people are getting tired like i one of them i'm trying to make sure i rest and but there's anxiety there's nightmares there's you know all kinds of secondary and triatory trauma response is happening for everyone so just it's important to 
replenish, to rest, to find community and to be in it for the long haul. Because I don't think that this is going to end in a week or two. And I wouldn't want to lose my energy before my role is complete. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what is my role exactly. And even as a musician, there's been like calls for, you know, canceling all performances, canceling all gatherings, canceling, which... I understand also in a sense of like honoring the grief. And also I wonder what is the role of the music and the arts right now in this moment? What about a collective song or what about a poem? And I've seen a friend of mine who's a poet releasing things that are on topic, on point, on relevance or graphics and artworks that are coming out. So there is like a deep calling to sing to this, about this or for this. But still, it's like, my voice is like here. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot for anyone to process and to stay present with. You mentioned this question of what role does my art play in this? And this is actually something that I want to explore next, right? Each one of you, how do you use or how do you think your art is helping you? Not only in this moment, because like you said, Rowan, perhaps in this moment, the best thing to do is to stop. But some people are choosing to use the art to process, like Hussein, you mentioned you were posting the beautiful calligraphy on your account. And I was, you know, following them. I was looking at them as well. So how do you think your art is helping you not only in this moment, but overall to show up in the world and to continue to advocate for humanity and for, you know, for all these important issues that we're discussing today? Yeah. I think these are big questions and I don't see myself in that position, depending a lot of on my art or on my work to carry that huge and noble messages for great causes. Maybe in a previous discussion, me and you, Yulia, maybe I told you that even in my art, I follow the, the design thinking process. It's not always purely expressions of myself, usually because my main work and my Many hours of my day goes to the design, the branding, and solving problems using my visual and aesthetics tools. But even when I do an art exhibition and I create artwork, or sometimes I, I got the commissions like any other artist. To be honest, I don't express a lot of myself in this work because it's kind of my daily and my lovely tools, the ink and paper and the other material that I deal with. But in this cases, what's happening now in Palestine or what's happened recently in, for example, in Morocco and Libya and previously in Syria. And I expressed myself many times through my art and through my own very deeply feelings. And it was very important for me. I'm trying to avoid the word therapeutic because maybe it's not the, the correct term, but it's the, the group of honest feelings and how I could express that on a paper. I think it's a very personal thing. The end result when it comes, by the way, for example, the, the things that I do in these cases, usually they don't take a lot of attention, you know, like they are not being shared everywhere. And, and I'm happy with that because it's a very personal thing. I express that. I create that artwork based on my feeling towards that incident. It's a very personal thing and it satisfies me. It makes things crystallized in my eyes and I cannot explain it to anyone else. So when you say that you have seen my artworks in the last uh, two weeks and you like them, that makes me really happy, you know, and yeah, it, I think it goes like that. Super personal expressions in my case, and it cures, cures something in, inside me. 
yeah that's it maybe healing is a is a better word healing yeah healing curing yeah i think so it's very important like i do a lot of these things i don't publish them of course all of them however in the last since uh, 7th of october i have posted some some of them and uh, yeah i think it heals something inside me i just want to say hussein that as an outsider observing your art I think I want to disagree with you a little bit on that your art is not personal and the, the things that you put on ink and paper, because mm. in everything that I've seen from you, I see you actually. Okay, thank you. I see Hussein in every single piece of work that I've seen from you so far. So I don't know, that's just my personal observation. Sorry, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just, I really wanted to go off of kind of like what Hussein said. So while I'm a journalist, I consider myself a storyteller first and foremost, that poetry was my first love, Aslan. So I had a very like rough childhood growing up, I was living in a very abusive household, and I always found a way to escape. I was the child that literally could be in a closet after a very bad physical episode and imagine a life that was different. So even when I had started taking therapy, like, you know, many, many years ago, and I was talking to her about my trauma, she was teaching me about visualization. And I said, Oh, I used to do that as a child. And I hadn't even realized that that was something that I did, which makes me so happy that I had these tools within me. And I think my art has manifested during that time, like as far as poetry goes. But I think one of the most beautiful things that happened to me when I moved to Jordan is I became a little bit more recluse. I think in the US, there's this expectation that a woman of color or a woman of some sort of ethnic background should be very open that she should just be someone who gives information and justifies her existence when I came to Jordan I was amongst women myself who were teaching me the power of keeping things like maybe certain things that are okay like it's okay to not go shouting from the rooftops of like who you are your experience is what you have gone through like you can keep certain parts to yourself so right now my art and my poetry looks very different. It's not being published anywhere, which has been kind of nice. I'm writing things and I'm sending them to the people that I think of the most. My first thing that I even wrote about Palestine, what I'm doing is because I'm writing so much news daily, I'm living in the reality. I like to write my poetry in an alternative universe, like an alternative history that I really do believe in. I believe that this can happen. So... I've just been sending people poems or certain things about, you know, just my feelings or how I think of them. One of my friends has really beautiful eyebrows, and I don't know why for me, I connect her eyebrows to her Palestinianness. that I just think that this is like Palestine, it lives right here. So oh. I wrote her a poem about her eyebrows. And it just, I don't know, for some reason, it just finding comfort and being able to do like that kind of this kind of art right now that's very personal and it's not going to go anywhere and it can just live between me and this other person in this very intimate moment and it's created a lot of like intimate conversations I think so yeah I don't know I think that before when I was writing my poetry there was such a pressure of like making sure everything was edited properly for like maybe grammar punctuation that it could be read properly that you know it could fit on an Instagram screen and whatever and now it's like you know, I send it as a WhatsApp message or just send it to someone in a voice note to like, Halas, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, you know, at least I got something out of my heart that I felt like needed to get out. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been feeling. And kind of like for what Rowan said earlier, I've been feeling more motherly. And so there's like this little bit of like, I mean, I don't have children of my own, but I want children. And I've been thinking about children so much since all of this has happened. So I just keep thinking about all these like children. I keep revisiting all of this art where 
all of these artists have historically written about these alternative universes where children were uplifted from war, were kind of taken away from their situations and got to live in these different universes that don't exist here in reality. And for some reason, I don't know why, but this gives me comfort sometimes when I'm writing the news, that I can live in the reality for that one moment, and then I can escape it for a little bit through a universe that I really believe exists. I don't know if that makes sense. My brain's all over the place. But for me, that's where I'm feeling. That's where I'm at. That's the power of art, right? I've seen a lot of beautiful paintings come out recently. Suleiman Mansour has been sharing a lot of beautiful arts and we'll link to some of that for our listeners too. That's that power of living in a different world, in an alternate world, even if just for a little bit, right? It's, it's almost like fueling our reserves, right? To keep going and to keep, keep working towards that different world, that alternate world. That's really beautiful. I'm going to pause our conversation here for just a moment to talk about our partner. This season of our show is brought to you by Visit Jordan. Jordan is a country in the Middle East that, in a relatively small area, packs diverse landscapes like the Mediterranean forests of Ajlun, deep canyons in Wadi Dana, the Mars-like desert of Wadi Ram, my favorite place in Jordan, and the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. At the crossroads of trading routes for millennia, it has a fascinating history. The Nabataeans, the Umayyads, the Romans all made this place home. Jordanian food is rich, varied, and packed with flavors. I, for example, love Mansaf. And above all, the people of Jordan are welcoming and are some of the kindest people I've ever met in my travels. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you know how much I love Jordan and I couldn't be more excited to tell you, Ahlen Sahlan, welcome to Jordan. So if you're looking to understand this region better through its history, food, people and landscapes, let Jordan be your host. Go to myjordanjourney.com to learn more. That's myjordanjourney.com. And with that, let's jump right back into our conversation. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times, Sarah, that you're really glad that you're in Jordan at this time. And so what I want to ask next is tell us a little bit about what does a creative community in Jordan and particularly in Amman looks like? Because it's been my personal sort of, let's say, project or one of my goals to raise awareness of how amazing Amman is and I'm a little bit biased, I think, because I've had this conversation with people before that I think Amman is an incredible city and it has so much to offer and it has so many interesting projects and interesting conversations even happening there that I think internationally don't get the awareness and recognition that they deserve. You know, from the standpoint of people who come to Jordan and who want to know more about the country, Amman is almost always an afterthought, to be honest. They don't center their experience around Amman, right? They center it perhaps understandably around Petra and other places. But for me, that's been kind of this personal project of raising the profile of Amman whenever I can. That's been my own experience when I come there, that it's just a, a really vibrant and beautiful place to be in. So I guess I'm curious to hear your perspective on what does creative community look like in Amman for you and for the art that you do 
and for your personal experience? I think as a writer, I, I'm in between so many communities because mm. as a writer, there's a bit of a curiosity. So like sometimes I'm taking inspiration from, you know, someone that I met walking on the streets and we have a conversation or sometimes I'm really putting myself in situations where I'm connecting with other writers. Sometimes it is a disconnect too. I only write in English. I'm learning how I can write in Arabic and express myself more in Arabic because it is not my, it's not my mother tongue. It's the second language that I learned with. I like to have arguments with my mom about every day that I really think she should have pushed it more on us. But for me, creative community it's very different than what I, I lived in Los Angeles for the last 15 years, which is like an art hub. You know, everyone that wants to come to LA, so much art and whatever, but it's not as intimate. There's an intimacy to Amman that I tell people, it's, I can't even explain it. You have to just see it for yourself that it can live anywhere. You know, I, I met a group of women that were showing me interest in writing and we all decided to kind of just come together even though we all came from different backgrounds and I don't know that we built a community based off of that and it's like I tell people it's unexplained like sometimes it's not even forced interaction that you met someone who's written something before who's interested in whatever and they give you a contact of someone else who like there you go you have your community so that's something I really like in Amman I was very lonely when I moved here and the reason or the way I built a community was honestly just getting out of my house, whether it was going and having like a juice at one of the places nearby and like just telling people like, you know, do you have any people that you could introduce me to to be friends with or whatever, but it's very welcoming. But also being in journalism, I'm so, and it makes me really, if, if anyone can see the amount of messages I get daily about there's this person doing this artwork over here. There's this musician doing whatever. And I sometimes will message because I'm the chief reporter and senior editor. Sometimes I'll message my staff back and I'm like, where are you getting this info? Like, it's awesome that you know this. Like, it, it's really cool. I think that's how the creative community is in my eyes. It's just something that's very intimate. I would say it's not as forced in the US. It's very forced. You join a society of something. Mm -hmm. You have like a community, there's like meetings that you go to here. It's just more of these like interactions. You have to be very well aware that at some point they could fall off and then you make new people. Honestly, just feels like a tree. It's continuous. And it's really nice. My mom moved out of Jordan when she's, she was 23. I begged her to come sit with me in Amman for a few days when she was like visiting to do business. And I told her, can I please take you to some of the museums? And my mom was like mesmerized. She was like, oh, there's so much in your neighborhood that you could do. And I was telling her, see, it's something that maybe like, if we're not looking for it, we won't find it. But if you look for it, you can find it. So I like that. That's how I feel as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the art galleries. I love all the art galleries. I like art galleries because if you're not, for instance, saying, I know you from the flowers that are outside your place. Like if it's not something that you're interested in walking in, you know, you can bring a group of people and someone can enjoy sitting in the the corridor outside of the art gallery because there's all these old fountains and views. Someone can go inside and do whatever. So really like Amman is, is a nice place for all of that. It's very different from like forcing someone in the US like, yalla, I'm going to take you to an art gallery. You're going to be forced to look at all of this art in a hallway and whatever. It's like, more organic, right? Yeah, more organic. You know, sometimes I've taken friends who have expressed no, like they'll tell me, I don't really care about art. I'm not a big fan of with museum. And they'll come and they'll be like, this house is one of the original homes of Amman. And you can bring them into the artwork in that sense. You can be like, oh, see, look, look where I took you. It's very nice. <laughs> it's nice to do that. I don't really know how else to 
to explain it, but that's how I feel about it. Absolutely. Rowan, what do you feel? The creative community in Jordan, I think it's, or in Amman, let's say, I think it's always been there and it's evolving. And also there is like a curiosity and openness for new things. So about like, I would say 10 years ago, we would gather in like private gatherings to play music while some people are spinning fire, while some people are doing this and that and making live art and this and that. And now like things that were seeded 10 years ago are becoming more and more available and accessible. But as Sara said, you have to like look for it as well. It's not up in your face. For example, in the music industry, there's big concerts for big artists and big event management companies that bring them. But most of those are not local. Most of those are international or regional artists. And that's those are the billboards you're going to see. Uh, whereas the local artists are still playing in the smaller venues and for like more of a local crowd or for the expat crowd that's well meshed in with the local crowd. So there's a bit of that also, though. I desire to see our local artists on those big stages and like more balance between the Jordanian or Amani, whatever you want to call it, musicians and painters alongside these world-renowned names. Why is it not a Jordanian band that's opening for whoever is being brought in? Like right now, I know I think Maroon 5 has been canceled, but if Maroon 5 was on that stage, why don't we have a Jordanian band opening for them? So I'm appreciating and I'm also saying there's a lot of room for growth and for like that abundance whether it's in exposure or in resources to be also like nicely wide widely spread as Amman is becoming more and more of a tourist attraction mm -hmm. there's a lot of people coming from all over the world whether it's for work for temporary stays three months six months one year or for tourism passing through it it is becoming more on the map and now there's the movement also in the music scene at least where there are Jordanian artists that are becoming global started with like Arsam and Najjar on TikTok, but like he got picked up by Universal and he became on Times Square on big billboards. And this has opened doors to multiple other artists that are kind of more in like the pop world, pop English and Arabic, but to singing in Arabic, but to English melodies or English beats, Western beats. So there's transformation happening. There's things happening. This is more like on an industry level conversation. But in terms of community, that's that's what keeps me coming back. Like I have the option, as I mentioned earlier, like I have Alhamdulillah, this Canadian passport, I could be in Canada, I could be anywhere else. But it's the friends and the community and that intimacy and that warmth and that collaboration. Like, for example, on my last release, I collaborated with a street artist, like a graffiti artist. And he made me like digital art for the cover of my song, but in the style of his graffiti art, which I'm in love with. His name is Yazan Mismar. I really love his work. Just now, for example, I cheated and I opened my Instagram and I was looking at your calligraphy, Hussain, because I hadn't heard of you before. It's beautiful. You see things happen where people are open and want to experiment with each other. There's also healthy competition and that's fine. And sometimes toxic competition and that's fine. But I could see, for example, a calligraphy artist collaborating with an animator, collaborating with a musician, with a poet, and the four of them create a piece together. And these things happen and it's really beautiful and it's accessible. And it's not a lot of like, which is again, a double-edged sword, but it's not a lot of like legal uh, checks and balances. Oh, I need copyright and this and that. It's a lot more spontaneous. And I think we do need more licensing entities and more booking agencies and more. It's a double edged conversation of like community and industry. I think like there's something to be bridged there.
a bit more tending to the industry could really serve the community. Because sometimes this community grows desperate or disappointed of like, yeah, but I'm not making enough money off my art or I'm not protected enough or I'm not supported enough. Look, at the end of the day, the big companies go get people in bottom, they put them on the big stages. What am I doing? All of my art from A to Z. So infrastructure also can really support the creative community and the creative process. I really like the idea of that. I wanted, I really want to add to that. There's so much room for collaboration here. I have people that have come and told me, like, I'll tell them like, oh, I have an interest in singing. And they'll be like, okay, come on Friday night and sing a song for us. And I'm like, what? There's a bit more, I think, because there is not as many people maybe in the industry, like from what I've seen differently, is people are much more willing to give you a chance. And if you kind of blow that chance, they're okay giving you another chance. It's just about the willingness, kind of like Rowan, what you said, to show up, to have a good work ethic and to protect one another. Because mm. at the end of the day, you don't have an entity protecting you. You have to protect yourselves and one another. So... That's something I really love. Even with the newspaper, like with everything that's going on, I've been offering like people who are not journalists to write opinion pieces because I'm like, get out all of this energy. Like, I don't care what background you come from. If you like have a laptop or you can write even on your phone, like write. I'll help you out at the end of the day with all these like technical things of like grammar and punctuation in English of subject verb, whatever that I don't even understand sometimes. But I think that's the one thing I love about Jordan. You can get so many opportunities that for outside it's really hard to do that like here as a woman I can walk around and say I'm a poet a storyteller you know a wife or whatever a this or that no one looks at me and says like you know pick one thing it's kind of like okay this is this is who she is yeah I'd love to hear some of your poetry thank you I would love to send you some collaboration collaboration in the works Hussein how do you feel about the creative community in Amman yeah I will bring it to this discussion through my own experience. So let's say I have a guest in my studio and here will, will I show the guest my work, my experiences, my collaborations with other artists locally or internationally. And I will show the guest also glimpses of our past, what we have done in Jordan and the Arab world, our achievements, our accomplishments and what we have also the highlights of our history and also the new things coming recently in our world, like the the new book designs, the new illustrations, the new depth also of understanding our culture and our literature and translating that back into a new products as in my collection of books. So after we finish that, we go to my Italian friend. He traveled the whole world to find his love, his Jordanian wife, and they together they opened a restaurant. We will have lunch there. We try his experimental cuisine. That's another perspective to the creative scene in my own angle. Then we go walk in Jabal Webde, which is the cultural neighborhood of Amman. And it's the hub of of many artists and many cultural institutions. Then we go to Dart al-Funun, which is another magical place, I would say. It's a group of old houses built over, let's say, 100 years ago, and they were acquired and bought by personal, let's say, by one guy, actually, by one one guy and his wife, and they started to renovate these old houses and to make it as a contemporary art space to exhibit amazing work by Jordanian and Arab uh, artists. And uh, we end up also seeing a Byzantine church in that place. 
it's a church from the 6th century and we can see also the mosaic flooring is still there and it's amazing then we can stand in that place and we look on the other mountains of Amman and we can see those little cubes I'm just explaining this visual because the listeners maybe have not been... I know exactly what you're talking about. I see the visual and I'm like, oh. Yeah, so looking at the other mountains and every cube on the other mountain is a house with many rooms, with many families, with many dreams, with many beautiful things happening there. Looking at that, it's a very challenging environment. All of these houses, they have to get water, electricity, fiber, internet, and everything is there, you know, like in that challenging and very difficult let's say at least geographic and topographic environment but at least we are there together and i tell this guest what you are seeing here is a collective efforts by people who came from all over the world seeking peace they came to this city and to this country jordan because they are seeking peace that's a very obvious reason why we are here in this country even the name Amman, one of the personal interpretation of the name, and in my own way, I say Amman is closer a word to Amman, and Amman means safe. So this safe and secure city who gathered people from all, all over the world, it gives them that space. It gives them, as Rowan and Sarah said, they give them opportunities. There are opportunities, you know, you have to take them. You have to seek them. You have to make your efforts to get a good network and in this network you will be providing others by ideas and also taking more notions from them i think i'm not this is the creative scene of amman this is amman from my eyes when i say that to my other jordanian friends they say oh hussein you are you're taking your guests and you're showing them your amman and i say yeah that's my amman that's amman that i love that's amman that i feel longing when i travel you know i missing amman and that's it's a beautiful place i love it i feel really safe in it i feel there's great hopes i have been you know walking in every part of it and i have been also studying and telling people about the beautiful things and also as sarah said like the, the hidden hidden gems not only amman there's like also in jordan you have to to look for these things that's the beautiful thing of amman again it's like any other city or any other place in the world there is difficulties there is challenging points and yeah, you have to move, you have to make solid actions, you know, to shine and to love that city, you know. The city is there, it invites everyone to love it, and apparently I'm seeing more and more people from all over the world still coming, and they feel magical. Like, last week I, I had a friend, she's a Japanese, and she's living and working in New York. When she saw Daman, she said, wow, I, I want to live here. I want to have an apartment. And she's from the East and the West together. And she wants to be in the middle. Amman is the middle of the world. Amman is the center. It's a really a magical geographic uh, place happened for that reason. And there is a good thing happening. So again, the creative scene, it's not easy. You know, there is a competition in, in, in such way. But if the creative person has a specialty, you know, if the person has a unique tools and unique uh, products and services and ideas, I think uh, it's a very healthy environment then to shine and to to have a good name in that, that sense. I 
resonate so much with everything that all of you are saying because that's also how I feel every time I come to Oman and one of the reasons why I keep coming back right it's that that magic that I, I feel it in there that spirit that community that intimacy that you mentioned Sarah as well I feel it as well and it and it draws me back to I miss Oman you know I miss Oman and I just in times when I'm not able to come back and rent a place and wave it, that that place that is so cold in the winter that I just yes. need so many layers. I remember last time Hussein, how I, I was complaining to you how cold that place is. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I miss it. I miss spending time there and being with all of you and everybody should definitely experience that. A couple of you mentioned that several times that you need to know where to look because mm -hmm. sometimes it's hidden. So how can somebody who is visiting Oman, let's say for the first time, how can they tap into that? Or where should they even look? Or which direction would you point them in if they want to kind of yeah. get exposed to some of that beauty that we were just talking about? I think yeah. for me, just to read honestly, to Google, because all of the information is available. Like, for instance, we have someone named Diana Sarhan. She's a local guide in Amman. She's not hiding. She's a <laughs> hidden gem in Amman. I love her, but she's not hiding by any means. You know, if you, I think if you Google search right now, like local guide Jordan or local guide Amman, she'll pop up and she can do tours for you that are very like tailored to your needs. Like say, for instance, you want to learn something about like art or if you want to learn something about food. Or she can do, you know, something that she's already done for years, which is she just walks people around Amman. So she gives them the experience of walking on foot, which I think is so important. But I also think like, and, and this is really bad. Maybe this is part of me being just who I am as a person. I moved to Amman without asking anyone what wave it was, what Amman was. I just moved here. And as soon as I came here, I figured it out. So like, I would give anyone the same advice of like, maybe just like walk around like, saying I wasn't looking for your place I found your place because of flowers you know what I mean like maybe just be a little bit of a lost child in like a city but the thing I wouldn't want to reiterate as soon as you put your foot down here there's no short of someone telling you where things are there's no short of you just walking around just go to a neighborhood I'm sure you can find you know little things as well when I moved here to Amman kind of like what Hussein said I chose to focus on the heroes of the story rather than the negative aspects so like Everyone was, you know, my American friends were like, is it safe to move to Jordan? You know, blah, 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 this and that. I was like, I don't know. I rented a, I rented an apartment from a guy on WhatsApp. He seems really nice. I'll figure it out when I get there. If it doesn't work, you know, I leave. Like, it's very normal. But I think that for me, at least something that has helped me is just I've let my curiosity kind of like lead me since I was very young. And I think that's why for me, I've had such a good experience in Amman, because it is a place that invites you to be curious. You can walk around and just go somewhere. I went one time down the street from Webde, which is like on the way to Abdali. Like it's this very long street. There's uh, mechanic shops. There's guys on the street selling coffee. And there's this very small sweets shop. I forget what he's called. But one time my tire went out and I just went inside and I said, can I try one of your sweets? I didn't know it ended up being one of the oldest sweet shops in Amman. It has all this story and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, okay, like just walk around, ask. Everyone will be very welcoming and, and inviting to you. And this is what I love about Jordanians in general. Even if the language barriers exist, people here can communicate with hand gestures, with Google, with, I mean, they will find a way. <laughs> like Jordanians are no short of finding <laughs> 
to communicate with someone. And I actually think that's very funny. That's a very good thing. I had a friend visit here from the US and I gave her like, I think two or three tips, even though I worked in tourism and the rest, I was like, just figure it out. Like, just go walk around and see what happens. You know, here are some like little cute neighborhoods you can go to. But other than that, I'm not going to force you and tell you where to go. Like, just go and figure it out. You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's how I found, by the way, that's how I found Shams community. Are you guys aware of the that's how I found them I think I was walking on the street and I saw some action happening in this little alleyway I'm like what's happening here and I walk in and it's the dinner that they organize you know dinner and conversation a really beautiful initiative too we'll we'll link to it in the show notes but you're right right like you just have to be curious and you have to you have to be open to seeing what's happening on the streets while you're walking or just visit Hussein in his studio and he'll give you that beautiful tour that he was just talking about right yeah yeah it's not a tour, you know, like just it's my regular thing that I do by myself, you know, I do that right. even alone, you know, I do that. I go to Dr. Kunun, I walk on my foot in my neighborhood and led by curiosity. I think that's a good tagline for a man. We can take it officially there. But I would say another thing, other tools to discover a man, because there is, you know, like a new thing called the creative tourism and people could come and travel really from along places to see a place where they, they're not interested to see the archaeology sites they want to see the creative activities and to meet people in their studios and i have been on that touch base with many people from all over the world and they they just find me they email me you know and they want to visit my studio and to also they ask me where where we should go and i also i have for everyone for their needs i send them a list of places that they should visit where they should eat or what they should buy or let's say where's these shops that should with with local jordanian handicrafts i do that on a regular basis with many people to support that kind of creative tourism that's one hand other point is the Airbnb experiences. I think that's another good tool. And this is how I met Ashley. She came to write an article about her experience in Jordan and about myself. So I was part of that community also. And as I remember, like you can find some group they're doing soap and the local methods and other people they they have a, a beehive or bee industry honey industry so you can go there and collect the honey with them and you can go to the other group of ladies they have a kitchen and you can learn how to cook ma'lube or mans together so i think these kind of activities on a platform like airbnb i think it's very good and also it's easy to approach people and ask them where we should go where what we should do yeah and by the way i wanted to say that that restaurant that hussein mentioned with his italian friend and and his yes. jordanian wife is called joe's hint yes a wonderful restaurant we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes as well and it's so delicious and i know i know it's very lovely and i love that covered patio that they have and yeah it's a very nice location i used to rent a place right next to it it was beautiful uh Ravon, you mentioned yeah that you mentioned earlier how you know some jordanian artists don't get that big stages that perhaps international artists get and you still you find them performing in smaller venues one of those venues that immediately came up to me was corners because i i remember coming to corners and more often than not there would be performances there by various artists and mm -hmm. really really beautiful performances as well which is probably one of those venues that you're talking about right 
right? Uh, yeah, I was going to add earlier uh, when you asked this question about how to access creative community, I was going to say it depends on also like what you're interested in. So for example, if you're interested in photography, the internet is amazing. Look up photo exhibitions that are happening in Amman that week and you will go there and you'll end up meeting people who also have that similar interests whether they are photographers or they enjoy photography and are there to view it's good to also like be quite intentional with what is your interest and go towards your interest if you're interested in music there's multiple venues that are like bars corners like maestro that bring live bands from the region including Jordan but also including from Egypt from Morocco from Algeria from Lebanon And so like beautiful music uh, in both of those venues and they have open mics as well. So if you want to explore your voice, like Sara was mentioning, that's a beautiful place for yourself to explore and to collaborate. And people get up on stage that don't know each other and then start to riff off each other like this. And then there's also a lot of cultural spaces that host music as well, like Jadal. Jadal for music and culture has been for a long time. Jadal is one of the first places that in one of my main projects we performed in. And until this day, we still perform there, though it's a smaller venue, but it's so intimate and it's the quality of the audience and the community is like really beautiful and like raqeen they're there to listen they're there to be really fully present which is a different vibe than a bar everyone in their own preference it's my go-to for locals because we have a lot of people in the country who don't drink so sometimes they feel like you want to get them into doing something you know something mm-hmm. that's purposeful but you get scared to re- make recommendations so I always recommend Jadal that I know that They're going to feel safe. There's not going to be any alcohol present in front of them. So you can like really send someone like a local that way they get powered up with all this knowledge and then they could give it to their other friends. And also Jadal is beautiful because they don't only focus on music. Music is one element, but they have like Depke workshop or like gardening on their rooftop or sometimes art workshops. They have graffiti on their walls. It's a community cultural space. They have a library. Jadal is an amazing. The one that you're talking about? Yes, between Webde and the Balad in Daraj Al-Kalha. And there's similar spaces to that. Like I can't right now off the top of my head, but there are a number of cultural spaces. So yeah. So I would say internet's your friend being focused on like what is your interest and then you'll find like-minded people who have similar interests. Definitely walking on foot, which has already been said and like just being open to the spontaneity of who you might meet here and there. Yeah. And there's a couple of social media pages that also are like really uh, dedicated to announcing like what's happening every week. There's all kinds of things. There's like pottery workshops, glass painting workshops. There's a lot of stuff happening. Manara is also a place like that. It's a cafe, but it also has an art space upstairs. Shout out to Zaid Suki, who's Orenda tribe, is also part of that that space. And yeah, one of my favorite spaces in Waibde as well, for sure. As are all making me miss Amman quite a bit. I want to... Also say one more thing. We're focusing on Amman and like God bless Amman. And also there are places just outside like Jordan's a small country and in an hour in any direction there are also beautiful cultural spaces and a lot of artists that are in smaller cities or towns like Madaba for example there's a place called Kaun maybe you've heard of that's like a beautiful bookstore and they also have live music and workshops and it's like a little bit quieter there's more nature around there there's old churches so it doesn't have to be like the Petra and the Wadi Ram and the, there's a lot of treasures not so far in Jordan and just around Amman that are really gorgeous.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I always advocate for people coming and spending a good amount of time in Jordan in different places and pockets of Jordan, because yeah, the majority of travelers still come and kind of do the quick tour, right? But I agree. And I think you guys have said that too, that you're seeing that more people are coming into Oman, more people are coming into some of those other places and really getting to know the country and how many beautiful stories there are to find there as well. Lucky, I think over the past year, I've seen so many places that haven't been normally been open for like creativity, open for creativity, Mountain Lodge Breeze, which is a beautiful, beautiful resort. Bit on the more expensive side for locals to stay overnight. However, a few weeks ago, they did a movie movie night by the pool for 5JD. So mm. I sent some of my like younger writers. I told them like, this is an actually really nice event. If you'd like to go, I can cover you for it, you know, as part of the, the newspaper. And you can go enjoy yourself maybe a night away from Amman, but not necessarily staying overnight because maybe they can't afford that. Or, you know, there's sometimes a little bit of a cultural thing of like, you know, people staying the night out of their homes. I'm really happy that a lot of these spaces are opening their doors to creating more things like Manada, you said Manada hosted a movie night a few weeks or a few, I think a month ago, there's all these like venues that are doing and they're not hiding, you can go on Facebook events and sometimes look for it. And Instagram, our algorithm in Jordan, as soon as you click your interest on one thing, like a pottery workshop, for instance, you're going to get bombarded with like 50 other pottery workshops. So as soon as you are in Jordan, and you're being like geotagged in any of those locations, Malik, you're going to find your, your spot. Two months ago, I booked me and my friends to go do like a hand painting workshop for like mugs. It was actually overwhelming for us as soon as we had like typed in like ceramics shop. There was I'm not even kidding, 30 people that popped up that were doing all the same thing so it just goes to show that there's so many creatives in Amman that want to work they want to invite you they're there they're really there but I like what Rowan said the more specific you are the the easier it will be to find it oh yeah I I love that I love that you guys thank you for sharing all your all your recommendations and your insights. I think we're going to inspire our listeners for sure to do that when they come to Oman. And not only Oman, right? Like you said, that this really applies to everywhere you travel, that you just need to kind of be driven by that curiosity and look. And as soon as you look, you will find for sure a lot of beautiful places in those communities so we're gonna start wrapping up I think we started about an hour ago I, I lost track of time to be honest because I'm enjoying this conversation so much but we're going to start wrapping up and to close I wanted to ask you what is giving you hope right now for the future and we talked a little bit about this in the beginning but I just want to close on that note of hope and wonder what, if anything, is giving you that hope right now. And also want to recognize that I'm not sure about you guys, but for me, this hour and this conversation has been healing as well. And it has brought a little bit of levity and a little bit of joy. And I think that's really important. So I want to thank you for that, for that gift, again, for this time, for this shared space that we had together in this hour. I think it was beautiful. And yeah, I want to just say thank you. But what is giving you hope right now? Yeah, I think any answer from me will be like a life coaching advice. And I don't like that. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid this also, because it's a I think it's a personal thing, you know, what, mm -hmm. what gives you hope. For myself, it gives me hope, but like 
the wonder, like every time when I express and experience a new, let's say, a new tool or a new thing in my career, discovering or making a new project, also touring in my city, knowing more about the history of my country. Yeah, this gives me hope, like, and carrying that to more people. And this is what gives me hope. This is my, my, my fuel for every day. I love what I do. I am one of the lucky ones who who decided what they want to be when they were kids. When I was 10 years old, I, I said, yeah, I want to be a guy who, who work on art and to play with letters. And here I am. So I'm so lucky to be in that position. So that gives me the hope every day. Every day I came to my space. I love my space. I love my tools. I love my cats. I love my my flowers. And apparently I have fans of my flowers. And in my neighborhood, this gives me hope. You know, it pushed me to to continue. It pushed me to not to, to give up. And these little things, really, it covers many bad and many negative aspects of our life. Like everyone has sad aspect. Yeah. So yeah, we try to to overrun these things and by hope and by staying positive. Yeah. And I, I just want to say that that love that you feel for your space and for your flowers and your art and the letters and the cats, we feel it too in your space. And that's why it's, I think, such a magical experience. I invite or I encourage rather, I encourage everyone to come and visit El Harf because it's really a very special, energetically even a very special place. And, and we feel that. So yeah, we feel we feel that love, Hussein. Okay, great. Sarah, Rowan? I think I had the biggest breakthrough when I moved here in the sense of I broke down completely I realized how out of tune I was with like my own mental health and my womanhood and my femininity when I had moved to Jordan because to be a woman here requires a lot more strength than I probably used to use in the U.S. because now I have so many things to carry what really has been giving me hope lately I I get to have a lot of conversations with like so many people around me from different generations and I really do see like a shift in so many people just in I mean because I've been here since corona and I've kind of like transitioned away from it now but really I see so many changes in everyone around me and it's not changes to things that people western world wants the middle eastern world to change I'm not talking about people changing their religion or the culture or the fact that there's certain practices here that is maybe not understood to the west I'm talking about really the willingness of us as a community and how we listen to one another the fact that you know I can sit with my in-laws me and my in-laws yesterday were arguing about certain things and I can listen to my husband's father who grew up in Palestine who was born and raised there and he can tell me his experience and I can tell him Ammo, this is my experience now as someone who's raising a voice for the things that we weren't able to talk about before and we can find the common ground you can watch younger generations now who are using their voice when I was in China I told my husband China's so quiet compared to Amman Amman is so loud and I think I love that about Amman And it's even louder now. People are really like finding their voices. Kind of like what Rowan said. I was talking to my mom. I told her I've been feeling a lump in my throat. I don't know if it's from holding back tears or really something wants to come out now. And so that's what really what's been giving me hope is that there's more awareness, more attuneness to what's going on. The world is starting to see us. I really appreciate that. I'm very lucky. Like Hussein, I've known what I've wanted to do since I was little. I've known I've wanted to be a journalist and I was always writing. I was very bad at math and everything else in the world. So I think I really only had one choice, but I had always been very proud to be like 
Jordanian, Arab, Muslim, to be in this bubble, even though I wasn't very much appreciated. And now I feel it even more. And that's why I feel so lucky to be here. And I feel so lucky to to listen to people around me. I love the conversations I'm having. And I've seen a shift just from since I've moved here in the last three years. It's very different than I think what I've experienced before. So it's nice. I really love that. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful, Sarah. I think there's two things. One of them is my relationships. My relationships give me a lot of hope, whether it's my family or friends or people that we stand in solidarity together and allyship together across different fields, whether it's creative or social work or whatnot. That's one main one, big one. That's like a huge support system in moments where it feels desperate. And then definitely lessons from nature are always a source of hope for me. So watching how nothing is actually lost in nature, like destruction is a part of the cycle, but things always find their way to be recycled. And there is a divine balance that somehow strikes in the end. So perhaps in in sharing that, I would say also my faith. Faith gives me hope that sometimes I don't understand and I cannot understand everything in this moment. So just to also like not surrender from a giving up kind of way, but surrender that my desire to understand everything or to solve everything or change everything to remember my size as like we're all have so much power within us and also we're all quite small so yeah that gives me a little bit of like self-compassion gentleness yeah so beautiful i think all of you touched on all the basic blocks of human experience honestly and it's so beautiful and it leaves me with more hope and it leaves me with more longing to come quickly and hug you all and have a conversation in person perhaps in Rumi I've missed Rumi it's been a while we didn't get to finish our cup of tea last time so I'm waiting for you (laughs) oh my goodness you guys okay we'll close with this story because it's such a fun so Sarah and I were meeting in Rumi for a nice cup of tea when I learned that I have to be in the airport in less than an hour or an hour something crazy like that I was literally buying my tickets as I'm finishing the cup of tea and rushing off I just remembered that's right and Yulia being such a great friend that she is we're like sitting and talking and I'm like you know Anna Bafatfit I'm getting rid of all of my emotions and I'm telling her about life and this and she's just like booking a flight and I'm like sipping on we're both living in two different time zones I felt like I was being present though I wasn't I was a little multitasking but yeah no, no you that's I think that's one of the most beautiful things about you and I I love having you as a friend because of that because in all of the chaos you were so calm and present with me that it was actually very admirable I was like how does she do this I mean two hours ago I was in the middle of the grocery store I had to write a new story and I was like sitting in the middle of the grocery store like I can't focus if there's so I, I really I give you hope but I hope that next time you come we will finish our cup of tea of to entirety yes absolutely we will we will thank you all so much today thank you for coming thank you for sharing the space with me thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself your work your hopes your thoughts and feelings in this moment i love you guys my heart is with you all the best to you and i will see you soon in amman or somewhere else beautiful in the world thank you so much for listening today and i hope you enjoyed this episode If you want to stay updated on all things Going Places, be sure to visit goingplacesmedia.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter. 
If you've been enjoying listening to our show, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or share this episode on social media. Our theme music this season, Abaril Shams, is provided by Rawan Roshni, a Palestinian Balkan singer based in Jordan who experiments across genres. Our partner this season is Visit Jordan. My name is Yulia Denisuk, and I will see you next week.